If you only have a 401k, you're not getting the most for retirement. Wait, what? Add a Robinhood IRA on top, then they'll boost it by 3%. You can do that? And if you transfer in any retirement account, you get 3% on top of that. Is there a limit to the match? No limit. Robinhood Gold gets you the biggest contribution match of any IRA on the market. Sign up for Robinhood Gold at Robinhood.com slash boost by April 30th. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Match on transfers subject to additional terms and conditions. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC. Blog Talk Radio. This thing right here is for my people's in the Yes, yes, today. Yes, yes, today. You know, as we start this show, this one might be. There is a pause throughout the stadium as this man sounds like he just coughed up a lung. They're looking around. The jumbotron shows and pans the cheerleaders, and as it goes down each cheerleader's face, each one breaks up into laughter, which at this particular time destroys half the stadium. The other half is still trying to figure out what the hell just happened. Does this guy need uh, CPR or something? And then at that particular time, I lost it. <laughs> Devon Drup. Yes, yes, yes. Today, Phoenix is another place. They got a great uh, training staff. I mean, they, they were able to breathe life back into Shaq. And you can do that. You know, people talk a lot about this kind of stuff. Yes, today, you know, as we start this show, this one mic. All right, all right. Welcome to One Mic. This is Devon coming in to you, feeling good, coming back uh, with the One Mic with my man, Hank. Hank, how you doing? Listen, let me tell you right now, okay? I've got as much respect for women as anybody. Believe me. Uh oh. Uh oh. Uh, we stopped short on that one. We 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 want we want to go deeper into this one. We we definitely got some stuff to talk about with that. Um, hey, let me tell you something. Thirty-seven you know, years. Huh? Hey, I got as much respect for women as anybody. Believe me. <laughs> Ain't that what I? Ain't that one? Ain't that what one candidate says? Before he was caught talking about him, grabbing him by the kitty cat. But go right ahead. I don't want to cut you short. And then we got stuff happening all in the NFL. It's been an interesting couple of weeks here in America. Um, yes. Well, you know, hey, first of all, I want I want to thank all the folks who came out to our inaugural RST Live. Uh, uh, it was a great event. Um, you know this uh, this and uh, uh, this uh, podcast is brought to you by Carbon World Health, uh, where uh, folks uh, can train like pros. Um, it's a complete uh, med spa experience. You know, call the good fellows, the good folks, the good ladies at Carbon World Health. Let them know the Real Sports Guy sent you, um, and uh, they were our signature sponsor for our Real Sports Guys Live event. Um, and we just definitely appreciated uh, Dr. Rodriguez. You had a chance to, if you haven't had a chance to hear him, check out our podcast we did with him 
um, prior to the event. And, um, you know, he really shared his perspective on why um, he wanted to host it and particularly talk about some of the important events of the times and the way in which student, uh, and, um, athletes have been um, engaging um, in these conversations. And, you know, we'll, we'll get into a little bit uh, of this uh, probably tonight. I, I don't even know if I put this on the rundown, Hank, but uh, I was watching. Um, they had open court on last night. So anybody who followed me on Twitter um, would see I tweeted something, and they're having a discussion with Jim Brown. It was Shaq. Um, it was Kenny Anderson and Ernie, uh, Ernie Johnson. And, um, and what was so interesting, and you and I covered this, I think, on our previous podcast, um, you know, around, you know, kind of this discussion around what's been happening in the protests. And, um, and Jim Brown and Jack and uh, um, uh, Chuck took this position, uh, which was interesting because I think Jim respect for him was um, two things he said um, uh, acknowledging that um, we shouldn't be blaming law enforcement for everything now, uh, uh, from a from a initial framework I can kind of buy the initial conversation they were saying that not all people are bad I can buy that then the second point was uh, this this idea of um, of Kind of pulling our community up by bootstraps, which is which is which is not something I don't I push back against. But Kenny said something that was interesting that everybody just missed, and uh, and, and part of what he was saying and what I've been saying, you know, when you get to the incidents we've been seeing very publicly, that is the byproduct and the outcome of a lot of systemic issues. But the thing that 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 Kenny raised that nobody caught on to, and even Jim Brown or anybody addressed was. Um, you know, and I think Colin Kaepernick is trying to address is that uh, when you have a disproportionate number of a specific group who is caught in your justice system, when you look at the total percentage of that population for your overall population, and then they're overrepresented in your in your in your in your uh, uh, in your prison system, then there's a systemic issue in that there, there are things that um, uh, have created uh, uh, what, we would, what we would call unconscious bias that then result in these behaviors. Because the image of what you think is these, these individuals bring to the table, in this case black men, um, are, 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 are magnified by the fact that there's this narrative that is linked to incarceration. And none of them got that. I mean, Kenny was the only one. Kenny was the only one who broke that down, that if those percentages were anything, if that was, you work in a hospital setting. If, we, right. if, that, was, if, that, was, if that was linked to a um, uh, 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 heart attack or high blood pressure or diabetes or you name anything else, the, the CDC would classify that as an epidemic. Right. Right. <laughs> Which Absolutely means we right. would have to take a systemic look at it, right? But when we right. talk about it in this case, we can't do it. Man, I was blown away. I'm sorry, man. I was blown away. I said that I was screaming at the television. You could see the frustration in Kenny Smith's face was just – and so if Charles is going to be leading these conversations, which he's supposed to be doing, I think sometime in February or whatever, I'm nervous. So then they put up this stat of, 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 of the number of people who were killed and broken down by racial lines. And it showed that 
a majority of the people killed were uh, were white folks versus people of color versus whatever. First of all, that stat alone is misleading because when you're talking about a white population, you have to say what percentage of that were killed by because it's it's three times the size, right, of 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 of, of black folks. So you have to look at that from a proportional standpoint. So the data was so misleading. I sat there looking at this, and I, and I was going crazy because this is why we can't have the conversation. It, it was like Kenny Smith was the only one on that panel making sense. So I don't know if you saw that, man. I, I did in there just uh, – and then the I, whole I, idea that they told about – I didn't see it, but I will ahead. say that the one thing that's always troubled me about Charles Barkley leading anything – is just his lack of uh, of uh, data, you know, just just his lack of information. Yeah. When he goes, opens his big mouth, and that's always a problem to me because it's like I don't know what planet he comes from or anything like that, but he says a lot of stuff right that that, that is just outright offensive and downright stupid to the point where if you make an intelligent take on something, especially something this serious. You know, instead of just taking the company line, look at what's going on. But it just seems like every time, every time, the best, I'm going to tell you, the best role they put for Charles Barkley, I don't know if you saw that commercial where they had him, Samuel L. Jackson, Spike Lee, and they made him the the, the curly of the Three Stooges or the buffoon. That's right where he is. Okay? That's right where he is when, uh, you know, when, when, um, you know, he when they were talking, whatever they were talking about, he was just real dumb on it. That's Charles Barkley in real life. You know, that's just it troubles me that this man is on TV and spouting some of the stupidest things and some of the stupidest stereotypes that's being told, you know, to America right now. And he has such, such a, a platform, and it's not very informed sometimes. And so that's the part that's that exactly you know, my think, point. There's times where. Yeah, because there are times when I'm saying, Charles, you hit it right on the head. But there are times when it's like, under, you know, uh, whatever his name, underdog or whatever your stats guy is not the person. He can get you stats on, on uh, uh, you know, some of the NBA analysts because that's what he's trained to do. But he's not the person you're going to go to to get you data on this issue. And so no. when he said we sat down and we looked at this and we pulled this from the Washington Post, hold up now. you got to contextualize anything you get. And so when I saw that stuff, I'm like, and, and the fact of the matter that, uh, you know, they, people are still forgetting the whole idea of protest. Protest is supposed to make you, we talked about this, uh, um, you know, uh, during uh, RSG Live, and I think, you know, both uh, Chris and um, uh, Maurice made really good points around this, but we all were trying to say that the idea of protest is supposed to be to make you feel comfortable. And, what is more powerful is at the moment in which we are trying to reaffirm the values of our of our country, and we're saying, "Is this what we what we're all about?" And it has nothing to do with soldiers. And so it's it's like to me, and Kenny kept saying it to me. That's a deflection. People are looking for deflections like that in order not to get to the real issues. You know, they want to get they want to keep this conversation in what is patriotic because that means you spend less time talking about the real issues. And for people to continue to get caught up in that is and blame Kaepernick for doing that is 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 beyond me. So I, I, I watched that last night, man. I hit it up on Twitter and I was just like, man, I just I could not believe it. I felt I felt sorry for Kenny. 
But here's what here's the thing, okay? You know, where if you really want to dig deep, if you really want to just, you know, take they take the glasses off for a minute. This country mm-hmm. has been it was built on protest. Everything that has gone yeah. on and is going on is 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 because of a protest. Okay? You had colonists protesting what was going on in England. Okay, you had slaves protesting. You had women protesting the right to vote. Okay, you had every immigrant protesting their right to, to, to citizenship here. You've got the civil rights movement. You've got the gay rights movement. You've got the bowel movement. Everything. Okay, <laughs> it's, it's built upon a protest. I'm just saying, man. And so it's everything. Okay, anti-war. You yeah. name it. Somebody is, is, is yes. upset about something, and they are taking their First Amendment rights to free speech, and that's what they do. That's why it's the first damn amendment. And for people to get upset yeah, about that, that when it was when it when it's in the Bill of Rights, I mean, give me a give me a break. I mean, read your Constitution. Go back to school before you start being all appalled upon what this country has been about for centuries. For the 250-plus years that it's been America, it's been based upon protest. So just stop it. Just because you don't like the, the individual who, who, who's bringing the protest don't mean they don't have a right to do it, okay? Then to move on. Well, what's crazy <laughs> about it, I mean, when you think about the protesters being that far, they were, they, were, they were burning flags. He's near yes. the anthem. I think that's advancement. It wasn't like yes. he was burning. And so it's, it's like... But but we're not we're not going upstream enough, you know. The part that I would I, I do I do agree with Jim Brown on, you know, which I've said a lot, and and it's the famous picture of him and and you know and um you know um you know Lou Alcindor at that time before he was Kareem and the gathering in Cleveland was at an economic center, and I think part of what what Jim Brown said that I think is correct is um, that the communities need to come together and set the standards around safety and what can happen. But but even doing that has barriers. You know, people in Detroit could do that they would, but there's so much politics and people getting in the way for people to even organize that way because to organize means that resources will be moving. Don't think that's going to be an easy process. Um, and that's going to be uh, uh, fraught with, with institutional racism as well. And so even when people try to take kind of a self- um, you know, uh, uh, pride or kind of being, you know, thinking about um, thinking internally as a community, those things to, uh, to organize are also faced with barriers because there's fear around people organizing. So, you know, I, I don't think that's going to be as easy a process as I think people think it's going to be. So, no. but I believe in the economic power and the economic power that people can have. So I think, I think Jim Brown hit some really important points along those lines, I think. And I think, Charles would say, I think Charles is, 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 is aiming towards that. I think Jim hits it more directly. I think that's what Charles is also saying, that there's things that yeah, we need yeah. to do as a community. Nobody would ever push back on those elements either. No, Jim, Jim Brown is, has been an activist, you know, his, all of his adult life. So he knows what he's going yes. through. You know, he was right in the midst of the civil rights movement. He knows what, what, what's mm-hmm. needed there, you know. And, and, and mm-hmm. you need to listen to folks like that. That that took a yeah. stand, maintained a stand, sustained a, t- a stand on certain on the on these issues. Okay, the thing about it, and we've talked about it, you know, many times on these airwaves, and it's a simple fact of, you know, there really hasn't been 
you know, such a significant change. It's just that what has changed is social media and the ability to see some of these injustices out there in front, right in front of you. It ain't somebody talking about it. You talk to some old schoolers. We've had this conversation. They've told you that a lot of these things have gone on in the past, okay? If you look at some old TV shows, if you will, they talk about the same thing. You know, there used to be an old joke that the reason why black folks were so, right. so, so fast was because they were running from the police. Now, guess what? You, now, now they're shooting them down. Whether you want, whether you like that or not, that's a reality, people. That's what people are concerned about, okay? And And so, you know... People got a right to protest. People who are out there in the public eye making a stand, doing what has been going on for 250 years and protesting what they feel is an injustice should bring conversation, not outrage. Give me a break. You know, it, 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 it's, it's hypocrisy. You know, I've said that before. It's hypocrisy. If it, if it becomes your issue, whoever you are, and you decide to protest it, that means something to you. Okay, let's not start calling people dumb and stupid and unpatriotic because the most patriotic thing to do in the United States in, in the United States of America is protest. What do you think is going on right now with this election? Everything is a damn protest. They protest the the, the, the <laughs> candidate who's, who's who's out there stopping for you to vote for. There's a protest there. I mean, give me a break. <laughs> So it, it, people are choice here. Well, what he's doing is unpatriotic. But you go and throw stuff at a candidate running for president. What's that? Calling them out their name. What's that? Huh? I mean, call it what uh, it is. You know what I mean? It is. Call it what it is. And, and, and like, and like Jim Brown said at the end, uh, which I love because I think sometimes even when we have these discussions, Jim Brown, you know, even when he's talking about he and Kenny, because obviously there are some differences between their opinions. The one thing he made clear is that both we all understand that there needs to be change, and that's what we all agree on. Whether we coming at this from a different angle, the commonality is even with all them up there, they all agree that 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 change needs to happen. And so I think that was something that was uh, very powerful. Well, hey man, we had, we had a chance to talk about that RG live, man. I know you, when I debriefed with you. Woo, it was incredible. We had, a, you know, we had about 80 in the studio, in the live studio. We we did the Facebook uh, live stream. You, you can go to uh, our Facebook page. It's still at the top if you haven't had a chance to watch it. Um, you know, I think it has about 4,000 views right now. Let's keep building. Um, but, yeah, yeah, Hank, it was a good experience. It was, uh, you know, you know, you know I'm, I'm, I'm very happy. I'm, I'm, hey, guaranteed, you know, but I'm very happy for you and the RSG family. That's a major accomplishment. Uh, if you haven't seen it, please take a look at it. You know, it's very well done. You know, you see my boy D. Wills on there putting it in. Uh, and, again, you know, to be a part of this, you know, whole 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 thing, you know, makes me feel very proud, very happy, very geek to see how it's going. And, you know, like you said, we it, 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 that's just the beginning. You know, that's just that's just the ground floor. We're moving on up. You know, like I said, the next time we put something like that, I absolutely plan God willing to be in the house and be able to spit some with you right there in your face. So I'm looking forward to the next one. But, again, congratulations. Uh, job well done. Well, we're going into the studio. I've already been on the phone with uh, Dr. Rodriguez, and, you know, we're about to mix up something again. And, I've been in conversations with Hank, and so we, you know, we 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 beginning to put this stuff together. You know, I want to thank Game Changer was in the building. Uh, I want to thank him for being in the building, and 
CJ, you know, he's he he he's one of my my former college teammates, one of my best friends in the world. Came in and and, and just room with me uh, for two nights to you know make sure we got this stuff together. It was on the ground. Uh, my guy Mo Red, who's been a contributor on 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 the RSG web uh, on uh, airways, came in and helped out. You know, came off the bench and and did his thing. So you know, I, like I told folks, we got like the Wu Tang collect. We just we collect them. You know, some folks got the individual albums. We do the collective album. We just, you know, we in family. And then my my guy Prince Moody, you know, um, he played for uh, Wisconsin and uh, he's over at uh, Ohio State working with the Buckeyes. He's the one that kind of pushed this idea out, helped to work with uh, Maurice and uh, Chris to get in the uh, get involved with it. And then uh, uh, Bob Wynn, who was uh, with Pro Square, we had a great uh, lunch uh, looking at the intersection between business and lunch, and uh, that was an incredible conversation. Uh, We had a number of former Badgers and others uh, in the building um, talking about some of their business initiatives, Um, and so it was a great, 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 great experience at lunch and then had the RSG Live at dinner. So we're making it happen. I told you it's underground. We had some of the colleagues from ESPN in the building uh, who had a chance to hit it. Uh, One of my former uh, students who was on uh, ESPN as well, so – you know, and uh, uh, you know he's been he's been here on our on our on our airways uh, as well. So, you know, uh, you know even even the big ticket before game day, they got a chance to sniff in what's coming. You know, it's kind of like that scene, uh, Hank. You know, when Clubber Lane was fighting in them small gyms. So you remember, you know, Mick went to go see him. He was in the he was he was in the stands trying to see what was going on. He heard that the contender was coming. Up, you know, he was in the stand as Clubber Lane was making his way up the ranks. That's kind of how it was. Yeah. <laughs> they, they, they're doing it the hard Dirty. way. I hate. <laughs> Tell that boy. Tell that boy. I'm looking for him. Uh-huh. You know, I, I didn't. I didn't say that on the stage, but you know, we kind of creeping up. You know, we just a little bit that good. Hey, hey, you uh, didn't have the fellas no, in your head. Nah, that Not yet. On my pull-ups and all that stuff, I didn't have that going yet. But uh, it was all—it was all good up in there. So, hey, how is it that a 37-year-old kicker can get the brother-in-law treatment? I don't know what the Giants like. When you heard about this, it's the Giants. I was the first thing I thought about—he got some pictures on somebody. Got because there is no rationale with everything we've learned from his journal. And all the stuff you people knew you could get information from that Josh Brown shouldn't have been cut. They gave him an extension. It's like you must have pictures. One of game suspension. And a one game suspension and an extension. Yeah. yeah. And you're 37. And so you're This is this again. This is the hypocrisy that is the NFL under Roger Goodell. Okay, and if you really pay very close attention to it, people are kind of getting tired of it. Uh, the the um, I, I heard that the the the, the, the um, viewing audience is down this year from last year. Okay, uh, there could be a lot of factors behind that, but moreover, moreover, it really is the hypocrisy that is the NFL under Roger Goodell. This is what you're talking about. People kind of get tired of you give a guy a one-game suspension, and an extension, okay, for domestic violence. You got two other brothers that can't find the field anymore, one that was willing to give up his salary just for a shot. 
with Ray Rice. Okay, <clears throat> nobody wants to touch those cats. But then you got a quarterback that's suspended for four games because he didn't give up his damn cell phone about some balls that was uninflated, in which when they inflated him back, he played better. But you're going you're gonna to go to court three times to keep him off the field. This is the kind of stupidness that people are getting sick of. You know, the fact that the NFL under Roger Goodell does not police itself with any sense, anything that makes any sense at all, okay? And let's, let's face it, let's call this what it is, too. Domestic violence in the NFL is a serious problem. It is a serious problem. And there's no one out there that can tell you definitively if they've got programs for these cats that they're asking to go out there and put their bodies on the line every week, take everything they can to keep themselves on the field, does that have any sort of effect? You know, they want to sweep things under the rug when they come talking about concussion protocols that's causing guys later in life to want to commit suicide. Yet you want to sit there and, and suspend a guy for, for deflate game, and these guys are beating the hell out of women, and you're not doing anything about it. It's ridiculous. The fact that the Giants allowed this to happen and, and nobody is outraged about it, it's part for the course for this league right now. And if they don't, if the, if the owners don't get together just to save face and, 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 and do something about this, how this is being handled, I promise you that it's going to hit them in the pocketbook pretty soon because I'm telling you right now, groups are going to come out against the NFL because enough is enough. You know, the hypocrisy that they do about the pink stuff uh, during the month of October for breast cancer awareness is all the money grab in and of itself for sponsors. Let's not, let's not think that they're being all sensitive. All right? It's, again, uh, the owners are going to have to step out on this. This is this is more. We were just talking about what's systemic. This is more systemic right now in the NFL, and they're just looking the other way on this particular issue. It's ridiculous. And, and, and what's crazy about it? I, mean, I think you hit it right on the head. Is that you know they'll find somebody for twerking. They'll do all this, and then I look over at the NBA, and I see Kumbaya. I see them. Close to uh, finalizing uh, uh, a, a, a extension on their collective bargaining agreement, I see them coming out with a collaborative strategy on uh, focus on these issues with race. You know, I see uh, the, the the commissioner engaging the players. Um, you know, you see a totally different set of energy. You know, I see players feeling like they got their own voice, they got their shirts, they got their whatever. And then I look over at the NFL and I see, you know, cats have no voice, no sense of independence, no nothing. And and then you go find out for little things, and then you got this this person. I mean, they find. I think I don't know what they ended up finding. Like, was it twenty something dollars? Like on the turkey, they they, they put it a crazy thing. And then this yeah. guy's getting a one game suspension. And I'm just right. thinking, where are your values? Where where are you where are you putting your energy at? Um, and and it's just it, it feels like it, it feels like their leadership is just so disconnected. And then you just did this whole rehaul of your policy. You hired some folks who are supposed to have experience in providing guidance in this area, and it seems like you're making the same old decisions. So are these folks empowered or not? They, you know, aren't they empowered? You know, what's the deal? Are they are they able to uh, to, to 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 move on these things? Or is it just for show, and are you boxing them in? And then you have the owner well, Steve, come out. 
and try to be apologetic about it. So it's just like, yeah. why is the owner coming out trying to get words to this 37 level kicker? It's like, it's it's like everything you think you go wrong, they're doing it wrong. They are doing it wrong, and they've been doing it wrong. And what's worse, they've been allowed to do it wrong. Okay, there. This is what happens sometimes when you you are so out of touch with reality that the decisions that you make you can justify. Okay, and then walk away like you've done something great. This is this is this is disturbing. Okay, but you know they give the NFL gives common sense a real bad name. They really do. When you start looking at the decisions that they make, it's a clown show. I mean, when you start looking at, you know, this guy, you know, and then when you look at the fact that Greg Hardy, Greg Hardy is certifiably nuts. He shouldn't have been able to see the field at all last year. I mean, this man's laying around, you know, threw, threw his girlfriend on a bunch of guns. He, he should have been arrested and thrown under the jail. But yet there he is, signed with the Cowboys. I mean, there's just things that don't make sense. It would never. It would always defy defy logic to me that when you got heinous behavior that's going on with these players, that you know you or I couldn't do a fraction of these things in our in our in our world. You know, even if 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 we were put in situations, we would be going through some stuff that would basically destroy our lives completely. Okay, and yet you know the the NFL just keeps doing this these stupid. Just stupid, un, unexplainable things, and 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 then Roger Goodell walks around like he's really done something. And again, people are getting sick of it. And I think that uh, it wants to start hitting the owners in the pocketbook because with the, that's what everybody's talking about. They're not talking about the product on the field anymore, D. You know, they're talking yeah. about you know they're they're talking about uh, uh, this guy. They're talking about the domestic violence. They're talking about the flake game. They're not talking about the games on Sunday and Monday because of the, the, the distraction is there. And every time they look up, it's like, why is this allowed? Why is this okay in your league and nowhere else? You know, why is it that, you know, that, that the, the players in the, in the NBA can be outraged about, about the, the, uh, the, the, the comment of an owner and the NBA acts to make sure that owner loses ownership of that franchise? Donald Sterling, okay? Why is yeah. it that there is harmony in the other leagues and yet you've got all of this chaos and you and what's supposed to be one of the most uh, powerful sports leagues in the world? And maybe I just answered my question because they feel like they're so powerful that they're above the law. But they're run like a clown show and it's going to start taking its toll on them. See, we have already – this this is this open the mic session has been the longest we've ever had open the mic session. Now y'all gotta understand, Hank and I gonna come back again next week. We we about to drop two of these open uh, uh these one mic uh podcasts. You see we got a lot of pent up stuff. So understand <laughs> this is part one. We're gonna come back next week with part two. But when we come back, we're gonna get into some NFL talk. We're gonna take a little break here. Uh, uh, these uh, uh, we're going we, we to uh, talk about some NL, NFL stuff. We'll get to some NBA talk. Um, but we've already got it dropping. We got it going. Hank is warmed up. I'm warmed up. We come back. Let's get into some other stuff.
this is Brett Bielma, the head coach of the University of Arkansas Razorbacks, and you're keeping it real with the real sports guys. Woo pig. All right, we're back. Well, uh, to one mic uh, with my guy Hank and uh, this is Devon Wilson. Uh, we're, we're chopping it up hard. We're about to pivot, um, and we're going to stay on this NFL thing, but we're not going to be bashing them ahead. We're going to try and focus on what's on the field. You know, now, Hank uh, uh, and I, have we have these affiliation with these institutions. Uh, we also have we value education. So one of the things we thought we would do as part of our midseason report card. Now, when you look at somebody in the midseason or at the end of the semester, particularly if you look at somebody in the semester, you have students who make the honor roll. You have students who are in good academic standing, meaning that they're, they're in really good shape academically. They're on the way to graduation. Uh, but, you know, we're not seeing any kind of alerts or danger. And then you have those folks who are on probation. So if they slip one time, they might get dropped from the institution. And we got folks in that one. So what we're going to do in this segment is identify those students who are in those categories. And so we're going to start with um, teams that we think are, uh, are headed or on the honor roll track. And so, Hank, I'll let you uh, you start out and, you know, one or two teams. We know we might have multiple teams, but maybe, you know, get a couple of teams that you think are, are headed for the honor roll. Well, you know what? I got to tell you, you know, it, just like in any class, you know you got that one student, you ain't even got to blink. They're going to walk in the door. They're going to do their work. You know, you they, they, their, their work is pristine, and you just put that nice, pretty A-plus on top of it, and you, they just wink. They sit in the front row, and you just, oh, that's my, that's my uh, star student, star pupil. So my star pupil has got to be the New England Patriots. Even though somebody tried to throw a roadblock in front of them, when you look at them seven games in, they're 6-1, they're leading the East, they're running away with it. I can't even grade on a curve. They're so good. You know, so they're doing their thing like they also do. You know? But let me tell you, I got another student, and this one surprised me. Okay, because this student always underachieved. The parents was coming in all the time. I didn't know what to do with them. But, you know, they applied themselves over the summer, and you can just see the fruits of their labor. They've done some good things. All of a sudden, lo and behold, there they are on the honor roll and a surprise pupil, a surprise pupil, because they've been underachieving C plus Ds. Now look up, and lo and behold, there's the Dallas Cowboys. You know, where have you been? You knew that you had it in you. Where have you been? But all of a sudden, they did some things. They, you know, they they, they went back to kindergarten and got some youngsters and, and stuff. And now all of a sudden, you look up, and they've got, they're looking all strong and powerful. You know, six and one. I'm like, look at the cow, five and one, rather. Look at the Cowboys. I'm so proud of them. You know, Mr. Jones, you should be very proud of your boys. They are doing a fine job. Hope they can keep it up in the second semester. <laughs> you pulled that question away. In the killer one, you picked you pick two teams. I was going to say, and I can't even do them justice the way you did. <laughs> all, all I want to say is ditto. <laughs> I was thinking, as you were saying, I was preparing my remarks. And you said it better than I was thinking it. I was like, let it come at it just like, man, that was incredible. Under <laughs> key, 
And I was gonna add to, I was gonna add to it. You know, the previous teachers like, you gotta look out for this one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know how it is? Yeah. Like when they hand it off, they're like, you know, uh little Johnny might be and then they come in and they blow you away. It was right. Like, well Johnny Johnny performing for me. I don't know what he was doing in your class, but Johnny's Johnny's mm-hmm. doing his thing in here. You know, but but everything had the warning signal. They had the extra notes and all the instructions. And Johnny right. just came in and sat in the front row and is nailing it. <laughs> yeah, just getting, getting like, it done. But but you're keeping an eye on him because the semester's not over. You know, no, the so semester's right now not he's performing over. A, no, it's not hey, over. And, 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 and he could have a couple bad weeks if things go wrong. If his man's well, on. See, that's right. the thing. John, Johnny's been known to underachieve. So we got to keep an eye on him. We hope he can keep it going. <laughs> Very proud of his performance so far. I mean, the Cowboys, man, and I, I think I have to go back and look at our preseason predictions, but I, I think I had said something about the Cowboys. But um, they have, I mean, in terms of what you're saying, they are playing solid football. I mean, they went up to Green Bay and just put it on. And they, they got a real issue. I mean, uh, you know, I hope, I hope they're calling Belichick to try to figure out what they did with Brady because – Prescott, who I love when he was at Mississippi State, um, is just, you know, playing beyond his years, um, is executing the game plan. And then Ezekiel Elliott is running like he was running at Ohio State. I mean, he's, he's good getting as up in there. And, yeah. and you saw it. Yeah. Good as advertised. I mean, so, that, I mean, the, the, they got that off, they got those two youngins on offense. And then the defense is playing much more scrappier than we thought. You know, we thought the weakness was going to be even with Tony Romo starting that they were always struggling with finding that defense that could actually make some things happen. But, you know, that defense is is playing well. And I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that the defense can play well because the offense is moving the chains. That the offense is, you know, if you play defense and you know that once you get one three and out, your offense is going to keep it for four, five, six, seven, eight, nine minutes, it gives you a chance to regroup. And then you just can focus on three and out because you know your offense is going to keep it. Uh, versus right. offense is going to turn it over. And I'm, we're back in a position where we're defending the short field and doing a lot of things that could break down a defense that might be on the edge. And so um, uh, that's it. I think the only other team, and if it had didn't have the energy, well, two other teams I, I might put in there um, um, is Seattle um, and uh Pittsburgh, but with with uh, with the uh, Roethlisberger, I, I thought once they got Le'Veon and their total offense on, they were ready to go. But now with Ben's injury, um, that puts them in question uh, in ways that you know I would put them in a different category. Um, well, let me ask think you those this: are solid. Let me ask you this: since you brought up Pittsburgh, okay? Yeah. Now this is the second year that uh, Ben has been out. You go for it's going to miss some some extended uh, time, and it's not lost on me that it's almost about the same time of the year as last year that he was out. Okay, yeah. right around the early part to late part of November, going into you know for the next four to six weeks out with something. You know, I don't know. You know, I know I know Pittsburgh has laid a lot of their their future their their plans. With Roethlisberger, but you know where there's smoke, there's fire. You know, and the big fella's not been on the field. You know, and and it's for everything that we've talked about as far as you know what's going to go on with the Pittsburgh Steelers. The one thing that seems to be more of a constant is that Ben Roethlisberger is going to miss at least four to six games. 
do you think that they missed out on an opportunity to get them a quarterback for the future? Because it, it, he needs to be breaking down more and more and more. I think I mean I think they they looked at Landry Jones as someone that they could grow over time, and I think you know when he's filled in, he's 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 improved each time. Um, but you're right. I think they're at a point right now where if, you know if they don't think Landry can grow into that person, um, going into this next draft, I think they're going to need to look for for someone who could possibly uh, replace him. Um, what they've done in the past is they've been really good at finding solid backups. They've had Mike Vick. They've had others who they knew could be there who've had the starting position and could hold it together for three games. Um, uh, but I think this year they kind of said, Landry, we're not going to do that. You're going to be the guy. And um, I thought he played decently, but I think, his, you know, he opened up against New England. Uh, they got a bye week. It looks like Ben might practice uh, this next week. Um, so, like, eight days after surgery, He's in there practicing. He's basically got about two weeks off on a torn meniscus. Um, but you're right. I think they need – in the past, they've tried to find that veteran backup, and they're trying to find out this year whether or not uh, Landry is going to be that guy who can replace him. They're going to have to do some evaluation on him on whether or not he could be that guy going into next year's draft. But I, I think yeah. he, you're at a point. He, play, he plays – last year they had him playing in such a way that he was throwing a rhythm. Um. And he was, you know, handing off and they're running the offense to the point where he wasn't, you know, they they tried to avoid putting him in harm's way as much, and he was cooperating. Um, I think not having Le'Veon from the beginning of the year really hurt them in terms of catching their chemistry and got him back into some of his old habits uh, that I thought he he broke away from last year. Um, but I think you're right. I think they're going to either have to figure out whether or not Landry Jones can be that replacement, that next level guy, or they're gonna to have to try and draft and find somebody. Mhm. I mean, you can't you can't keep having your starter if you if you got aspirations to go further than division uh, winners to to miss you know three uh, you know a quarter of the season every year for the last two years. That's a problem. I mean, the reason why they struggled last was like you had you had yes. Michael Vick. And and I think Landry Jones, but it was like, okay, you can't keep going back and forth on that. You know, when Ben is so much of how that offense operates. Yeah, and and I would say that the tra- the other transition they were trying to make, if you looked at their draft over the past couple of years, um, and I've been saying this, and it was part of my um, push for them to go far, is that they invested a lot in defense. And now some of these young defensive players are in their second and third year. This is the time they were moving back to getting back to that elite defense. They they mm-hmm. upgraded um, and drafted in the secondary um, because, you know, when they were at their elite, they had guys who could cover. Um, and then they went to this transition where they were aging where they couldn't play the blitz game. Like, they don't play, they don't blitz a lot of times as much as they I – mean, even against Brady, they didn't blitz as much. And uh, mm-hmm. they only rushed four, but, you know, they – so they work on being better in the coverage game. And so – Defensively, you know, they got people like Jones and some of these other folks who are now in their year two and three, who Shazier and some of these cats who um, have really shown promise. Um, they're dealing with some injuries, but I think the other part they, that the counter to Ben was also getting back to playing championship level defense, so he doesn't have to take as many chances. We can run Le'Veon a little bit more, you know what I'm saying? And and before right. Ben had to carry it because our defense was going through that transition of, you know, losing the, as much leadership as it's lost. 
in the transition with a lot of young players, so the offense had to carry more. But you're right, and, and that was the reason why I had them in the academic good standing um, uh, on my side um, because they're solid. You know, the, the academic good standing is the, is the young person that, you know, is, is not going to wow you. Uh, it, it, it's not going to cause problems in the class, uh, but is always going to put a solid performance. You know, so when you're grading out, you know, they're always going to be in that B range, um, going to show if they could tweak a little bit, if they could pay a little bit more to, de- to detail that they could be on honor roll. Um, you know, the difference between them on honor roll and not is the fact that they, you know, they, 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 they spend a little bit more time understanding uh, the theorems, <laughs> understanding the steps, practicing right. uh, the problems on the board. If they did that, you know, they wouldn't get the two or three or half point off here and there. And so uh, Pittsburgh is that team. You know, Pittsburgh defensively has got to, got to fill out. You know, they, 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 they make six or seven great plays and then one play that costs them. Or, they, uh, or they'll have a game where a guy will get 200 yards rushing and then they'll hold the next game, they'll hold the, the team to under 100 rushing. Being consistent, you know, uh, uh, defensively I think is a difference for – I'm not worried about the offense. They need to get that defense to a championship level, and that requires just the little things. And I think with young folks, folks remember their gap assignments, you know, trusting the people next to you to make their play and not overplaying it and then causing a long run. I think all those things are happening right now defensively, and as soon as they can get that to gel, it'll take a lot of pressure off off the offense. And I said Seattle, even though I thought they could be in that honor roll section, I had them in a good standing in that um, – uh, defensively, you know what they got. Offensively, they're still trying to find it. You know, Russell Wilson is doing what he can do. I love the way Jimmy Graham is beginning to catch on in the offense. They're beginning to use him a little bit more. But their receiving core um, is above average, average, but there's no elite person there that you can say, this cat is going to get you 100 yards. He's going to get you to catch. They don't have a brown type. They don't have that, that big-time receiver who can stretch the field and make it even easier for Graham in the running game, and they don't have – that offensive line has not yet – they used to have the most dominant offensive line in Seattle. Um, so that they could really push people off the ball um, and, 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 and run the ball. The line hasn't been blocking away. And the backs, like Michaels and some of these cats, have not come together and created that consistent running game that can make, uh, could, uh, could make Russell even more effective. So offensively – you know what you're going to get on defense with Seattle. Offensively, I think they're still, still searching for their ideas in a way that, to be more consistent in a way that I would like them uh, uh, to be. And then Philly, surprise. I mean, I think Wentz, none of us are suspected with Wentz, but I think uh, defensively, um, after those, 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 those past two or three years where the defense was kind of falling off towards the end of the year, this is a defense that's getting after people competing. I mean, they – they wanted to make a statement when Minnesota came into Philly, um, and that defense, you know, really got after Bradford. But they didn't get after people all year. Um, right. You know, they have their slips every once in a while, but I think they're Philadelphia just playing solid football. You know, the NFC East has been a surprise when you think about Philly and and and, and Dallas being not winning, but being they're having solid foundations to the way they approach winning. You know what I'm saying? Without a lot of flaws. Uh, but not elite. But you know they're going to be in every game they play. Right. Who did you have in terms of the, the good standing? Yeah, I did have Philly, but there was a couple other there was a couple other students 
that I got in my academic standing, good academic standing, and basically because these are two students that, you know, coming into this school year, you know, I didn't, I thought they were still going to uh, be underachieved, one, because it was a straight-A student last year, but I just thought they were going to, to struggle a little bit out the box because, you know, their their main tutor had left and they didn't do anything to, 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 to help them out in study hall. But they've done a good job, and that's the Denver Broncos. You know, I didn't expect, you know, we sat here and talked all day long about the quarterbacks or lack of, and yet when you look up, there they are, you know, tied with my other student, who, who surprised me as well, the Oakland Raiders in the AFC West. Yes. These are two teams. Or two. I, I really didn't give Denver much, not, not to take nothing away from that defense, but I just felt like that offense was going to be such a liability that it was going to cost this team, especially early in the year, and not really having a proven starting quarterback, either in Paxton Lentz or Trevor Simeon, and I, then they released uh, uh, the Sanchez. So, you know, I didn't see that from them. And yet, there they are. At Oakland, a very uh, talented young team, you know, doing its thing right now. I got to keep an eye on the Raiders because, you know, again, they're another one of those teams like the Cowboys having a very good first part of the first semester, but you got to watch the whole, you got to watch the rest of the year. They have a tendency to start to to, to drift off, you know, especially after, the, after we get close to the holidays, they, they have a tendency to drift off and start hanging out in the courtyard. So we want to make sure that uh, they, they, they continue to play the way that they've been playing the rest of this year. Fighting that recess. Doing well in the classroom, you get them out of recess, they fighting that recess. Yeah, they, they, yeah. You know, they don't want to come in, like start missing days at school, start blowing off classes. <laughs> Man, when I predicted when I when I predicted that Oakland would make the playoffs, I think we went through this exercise with uh, with Phil and Marcus. And uh, I remember Phil said, "Oh, so you know, I'm Kansas City because you know our, our Kansas City coach uh-huh. is at Philly. Um, you know, Phil thinks I got an issue against him. And part of my issue has been you you are a former offensive lineman, but yet you can't run the ball. And he gets to Kansas City, he starts to act like he can run the ball." Now, you right. had Westbrook, and you had all these great running backs in Philly, and you had Donovan running for his life because you never wanted to do a running game. So, so but the <laughs> reason why I picked Oakland is because Del Rio, if you know anything about Del Rio, his teams are going to be tough. They're going to be fundamentally sound. And one of the things that Oakland ha- never did was just commit to running the football and just doing some great things. And then they brought uh, Carr along very well. And so I'm glad you, you highlighted Oakland as a, as a team that – um, is in that space, and I think they just gradually been getting better every every year. They have. And for your team, have. who you might have your team, your, your teams that you might have on probation. Who would you have on probation? Look, I got two teams. That I'm about to throw out of school, okay? Because one team, <laughs> you know, I am surprised how poorly that they came into this to this to this academic year, you know, because they knew. You know, they they were so close last year to doing some really great things. They come into this year, and granted, you know, they come in a little ill. You know, they they, they, were, a little, they were a little sick because, you know, their head hurt because, because uh, the quarterback was hurt. But yet and still, it's been an abysmal performance for the uh, Carolina Panthers. I'm like, what is that? I, I mean, I've never seen where one man, 
you know, it, it, it seems to me that it actually dominate both sides of the ball in such a negative way. You know, Cam out because of concussion precautions, and all of a sudden this team has forgotten how far they, how close they were to winning a championship just a year ago. You know, they're pulling, they're pulling the, uh, the old Michigan State of the pro game. Sorry, Spartans, but I had to throw that one in there. But that they, they're, they're, they're a great. <laughs> the other one has to be the New York Jets. And see, I, I'm pissed off at the Jets because I actually felt like this, this team was going to make a playoff push, and yet that's 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 they're that they're that student that you know you keep geeking them up, and you and you get all the tutors to them, and you get them to feel good about themselves. Then they come back from the summer and they don't forgot everything they learned from the school year before, and now they're turn into something else, and you just want to throw your hands in the air. It's like you don't want to keep on spending time with this dude. It's like it just seems like nobody taught him nothing. You were that close. Keep going, and you just gave up. Uh, the one I'll add to that is also, I mean, you know, came in puffing your chest out. You know, you, you, you probably made the honor roll last year. You got full of yourself. Didn't come to none of the study tables. Didn't do – you had some learning loss during the summer. You know, you didn't look at the national studies on learning loss, so you didn't do anything special to continue to stimulate your mind. And now you come <laughs> into this year and you're struggling, and that's the Cincinnati Bengals. Yep. It's like everybody thought, you know, and finally the wheels feel like they're coming off. You know, you, 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 you got a truancy issue, uh, you, know, all, you know, all the little bickering and fighting on the field is, is now beginning to take its toll on you. Uh, you know, you, you've been suspended a couple times uh, for stuff that's just been foolish, stealing candy out the dish. Whatever it is, it's beginning to come in, and we're about to call your parents. But you know what? <laughs> I told you that Cincinnati was a thug. I told you that they could apply themselves, but they only want to use that in the streets. So when you get them in the classroom, they don't want to do their homework. they disrupting the class. They need to be expelled anyway. <laughs> so the one team you did mention, but I know we're going to talk about some MVP candidates, is, you know, our, our city from around the 313, eight miles best, Detroit. But you didn't say, who do you give an incomplete to? Because I could have told you that. <laughs> And you asking me when they walk in the class, I almost send them right to drop some ads. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I don't want you in my class. Okay, you are you are an annoying student. You come in here, you know, you got all the skills. You should do better, but you don't. And then for some reason, I give you a math assignment and you put on spelling words. I can't be bothered. Incomplete. It's it's like that application when you review it. This student has a two seven with a thirty one ACT. You like it just frustrates you to see that profile. But that's, yeah. it's, can't it's be like, bothered with them. Thirty one ACT, but you got a two seven. Like what are you doing? as a disconnect here. That's the Detroit Look, Lions. They get all so the they get, they, they get you, all the answers right in the first half of the test. And then walk out other tests without finishing it. I mean, come on! I can't be bothered. With what are you doing? 
I thought I had enough answers. Get out of here. Incomplete. So do you, who do you, who do you, who are you looking at for 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 things like candidates for MVP or defensive player of the year, coach of the year? What what are some of the folks that you you're seeing emerging in those spaces? Okay, listen. Okay, now there's a couple of fellas here that we didn't talk about so much that are really came out the box firing strong. You know, Matty Ice over there in Atlanta is doing the job. He, he's looking really nice over there. You know, um, that 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 uh, NFC South is going to be wide open. Okay. And, and Maddie's coming out looking do, doing his thing, but you 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 aren't watching football if you ain't watching what Zeke Elliott is doing in Dallas. I mean that young man has given Dallas a serious ground game, okay, and he is as much a part of that team's resurgence as anybody. But you don't say MVP unless you say Tom Brady. Now yeah, he missed the first four games, but he coming back with a vengeance, okay. They're going to be a very difficult team to beat the New England Patriots. The league tried to do everything they could to even up the AFC by suspending him four games, and it didn't work. You hear me? It didn't work. And now, I mean, you, you, I, I, it starts with him, in my opinion. It starts with Tom Brady, and then it's everybody else. So, I, and, and, you know, I, I think I agree, uh, you know, it's hard for me to buy into Atlanta, but I got to buy into Matty Ice. And I mean, they 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 played well against some really good teams um, and uh, pushed this out a little bit. Um, uh, but you know, I, I think you know you're looking at uh, uh, Ezekiel Elliott and you're looking at what they're doing. Um, uh, to me, that that is uh, a surprise for all of us um, in in terms of how hard he's running. You saw some of that stuff in the preseason. But he's really catching his storm. It's like almost like he's continuing what he, what he, um, what he did in college, and, right? And, and continuing it uh, in the run. I mean, it's reminding those folks. But I think you know, I know as much as you don't want to talk about him, you know, uh, you know, you know, Stafford is been doing his thing. Um, I ooh, think, you said I said a bad word. We talked about before, <laughs> huh? I said, ooh, you said a bad word. <laughs> Bad word, uh, but you know I think <laughs> losing Megatron. You remember I said what I said at the beginning of the year. I said losing Megatron might be the best thing that ever happened to him because it took away his security blanket and really forced him. And what some of the things I heard um, from him, what I saw from him early on, I remember uh, he ran that two minute drill. And two times, cats didn't get out of bounds, and he got into him. And I don't think he would have done that in a way with Megatron there. I think. He's asserted himself as a leader, and it's going to be interesting to see what happens uh, uh, down the stretch. This is the year of breaking streaks, and so um, you know maybe uh, you know Detroit can can find a way. But you know, at least through midseason, uh, I think Stafford is playing at a, uh, at, a at a very uh, a very very high level. Um, that's fair. This that's we fair. I'll, 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 yeah. That's fair. This, 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 I will give you that <laughs> thing at a higher level than normal. <laughs> Uh, for a four-three yeah. team, he had a chance to beat Tennessee and threw an interception to me, and I wasn't even at the game. So I mean, here's the thing: Matt Stafford has one thing going against him. He plays for the Lions, okay? And the problem is, is that because he doesn't have uh, Megatron, that offense is going to is going to live or die by him. So again. Does he look good against the likes of uh, maybe uh, the Rams? 
or yeah, um, you know, Washington last that was that was impressive. I watched that. That was impressive. But you know, I, I'm, I can't do it. Okay, he's going to have to show me more than a, right now. Just a game above 500. All right, so he's going to have to show that 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 you, if you're going to give him some sort of MVP consideration, I mean that's lofty, that's way that's way up there for a Lions quarterback. I can't I can't subscribe to that point of view. We'll have to see. Well, and and I and I will say you know that that um, he's also had folks in and out of the lineup, and I think he, he he's adjusted. And so you know, look, he's like I think you're right. We got to see the rest of it. Um, right, you know, but I'm just being fair to him at the mid at the mid range, and I You're think so some kind. of the things I said is is because I think when you don't have somebody like Megatron, which most of us would try to find a way to get the ball to, uh, right? Like we all would try to find a way to get it uh, uh, right. to him. Um, you don't, you know, you know, um, you don't do it. As far as um, possible, you know. Uh, uh, defensive uh, players of the year. I mean, there's a lot of them. You think about Philly and, um, um, you know, what could happen with them. Um, oh, we got we got some we got some technical stuff happening here. Uh, when you think about what's happening with them, um, I, I would say that, um, you know, uh, you know Harrison Smith, who's been pretty, you know, pretty, pretty uh, strong in terms of that that Viking defense has been. Uh, you know, incredible. Um, I know Fletcher Cox with Philly. I mean, Philly defense has been going well. To lead, when you think about the Broncos, I mean, this cat is, you know, he's in the middle of everything. <laughs> Interception, mm-hmm. kind of hitting people, getting flagged, um, <laughs> doing every, every trying to do. So I think there's some been a lot of great defensive performances coming up, and it'd be great. It's, it's going to be interesting to kind of get a sense of where that's going. There's a lot right. happening with football. You know, Hank and I will probably hit more of this when we get into next week. But, you know, uh, I do want to make sure I give time to our signature segment, you know, here on uh, One Mic. You know, given that it is, uh, we are in a World Series, you know, we'd be remiss not to get some time to inside the park. So I'm about to drop it, and the next thing you'll hear is Hank hitting us with the world famous inside the park with Hank segment.
something that inside the park. Inside the inside the inside the inside the park. Texas Rangers. I personally 
thought we was going to see a Boston-Texas ALCS uh, because you had Texas with the best record in the American League. You had Boston, and you had all this momentum going on with with uh, David Ortiz, with Mookie Betts playing out of his mind. You just thought this was going to happen. But the Cleveland Indians had another thing in mind, you know, and they, 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 they swept away the Red Sox. And lo and behold, the Toronto Blue Jays took out the Texas Rangers. That alone kind of shocked me in and of itself. And then the, the Indians just really, really caught on fire. Their pitching was just out of his mind, especially the bullpen, Andrew Miller. Andrew Miller just turned into something that un, unbeknown. He's still been going on right now. Uh, and, and there you had the Cleveland Indians taking out the Toronto Blue Jays in five games. Then we move over to the National League, okay, National League where the Cubs had the best record in baseball, okay, winning over 100 ball games, doing their thing, okay. You had you had them playing the Giants, taking out the Giants. Then you had them playing the Dodgers, and it was kind of funny because they got to game six. They, they came back, took a, two, took a 3-2 lead, and everybody in baseball knew that if this game, if this series went to game seven, that it wasn't going to be good for the Cubs fans. So, you know, congratulations to the Chicago Cubs. Congratulations to the Cleveland Indians and the World Series. I look for this to be a very exciting series. You have two very good teams, even though they're from improbable series, from improbable season, uh, see, uh, excuse me, cities. You know, you've got the lovable losers versus Believeland. You know, combined. These two teams haven't played and have not won a baseball championship since Jesus turned water into wine. So we're all about to witness something of what I would call historic and biblical proportions if and when one of these teams win. I pray the apocalypse don't come before next week, you know, because I want to talk about it and I want to see it. But that's what you're looking at right now. And do you know who you have to thank for the series that you're seeing right now in 2016? Do you know who you – there is one element, one component – one source that you can thank for the Cubs and the Indians being in the World Series that this year. And that person or that thing is the Boston Red Sox. Yes, you heard me right. The Boston Red Sox is responsible for both of these teams being right where they are now. Now, I know some of you are saying, Hank, you done lost your mind. What do you mean the Boston Red Sox got swept? Are you talking about because they got beat by the Indians? No, on the contrary. That's not what I'm talking about at all. I want you to look at the makeup of both of these rosters here, okay? Let's first look at the Boston connection when you're looking at the um, when we're looking at the Chicago Cubs, if you will, okay? You look at the general manager Theo Epstein. Well, you know, Geo Theo Epstein used to be the general manager of the Boston Red Sox when the curse was broken and they won the World Series in 2004. So let's look at Terry Francona. Oh, Terry Francona. Terry Francona was the manager of the Boston Red Sox who won the World Series in 2004. Let's look at John Lester, who pitched for the Boston Red Sox. Let's look at Andrew Miller, who pitched for the Boston Red Sox. Look at Mike Napoli, who pitched for the Boston Red Sox. Yes, thank you, Boston. Thank you, New England, for bringing us the World Series of a lifetime. If it wasn't for you and your uh, way of just throwing things away that still works, we wouldn't have the Cubs and the Indians in the 
Who Would Have Thought It series of 2016. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. And again, thank you very much. Even though you're at home watching it, I know every last one of you are kicking yourselves. And if you're listening to us, you're calling me all kind of names, but that's okay. I didn't do it. You did. So my prediction for the World Series, and I'm going to tell you, I think it's going to go seven, okay, because any time you have a, a, a World Series of biblical proportions, it certainly can't be done in five games. It certainly can't be done in six games. Oh, no, it's got to go the whole distance, okay, because the second coming will probably be here, or the Lions will, heaven forbid, make it to the Super Bowl before we see anything like that again. Of course, now, I wouldn't hold my breath on that one. But I predict a seven-game series, and because it's going to seven games, I predict that the Chicago Cubs, yes, you heard me right, the lovable losers on Waverly Avenue in Chicago, Illinois, are going to be the World Series champion this year, okay? A year removed from back to the future. But that's what I look for right now, and that's what I look for for the World Series. I will tell you all, enjoy it. Okay, you are seeing something that hasn't been seen in years. Okay, Chicago fans, Cleveland fans, as much as it pains me to say it, being a Tiger fan, you both deserve it and both enjoy it. Okay, that's going to be inside the park for this evening. Okay, we may hit you back some other time to give you some uh, hot stove league stuff, but if not, don't worry about it. Enjoy the World Series. We'll talk to you soon.
like this has been a, this goes back, you know. I mean, you before me, but I know when I grew up, and we, you had you know these incredible managers, Tanner. You had you know Sparky. Like this is the first time in a long time that like you have these managers who are as much of a um, part of this game as anything. You know, this feels like the days of Sparky Anderson and, and those guys um, in terms of. Uh, Francona and, and, and Madden and how everybody agrees, in, even in a sport where people say where managers don't have that much of a – people agree that these two managers have so much of an impact on the game, just the way that they handle the um, the in-game decisions as well as how they handle their players. How do you how do you break down these two managers and what you think the impact you, they you might have two, You've uh, got on the two of the most uh, skillful, craftiest managers in the game right now. Um, the only other manager I would put in that same category would probably be uh, Bruce Bochy with the San Francisco Forty of San Francisco Giants. See, I'm, I'm of a firm belief that you need to have a solid manager to get a team to the World Series and to win it. Okay, yeah, they always say that the players get themselves ready, but you watch some of the moves that these guys have made this playoff season, and they have been brilliant. Okay, and and Terry Francona. You know, has done it before. Okay, so it's no surprise uh, that he's got Cleveland in the World Series, and it's no surprise that, that Joe Madden has the, the the Cubs there. Okay, the Cubs, very talented team, very talented team. But he did more with less when he was at Tampa Bay, and uh, because he is he he rolls the dice. I love managers that manage with their gut as well as with their head. And, and that's what I, I like. That's why this is going to be such an exciting series, because if you are a baseball purist, just watch some of the strategy, the in-game strategies that's going to go on uh, that you just won't see. And they're going to make sense, and they're going to be able to break down why they're doing it. And that's what makes the World Series so fun, you know, to watch. Because, it, 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 yeah, yeah, it's about pitching and everything and hitting and, and fielding. But what these managers do to put their teams in a position – to win is 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 something to watch too, and and it's and it's great to see. Like Joe Torre was great when he when he did it. Rocky Anderson, you mentioned, and several others. It was the same way when it got to this time of the year. That was just, uh, Tony Larusa, just great tacticians when it got mm-hmm. to the season. Yeah, and uh, this has been exciting. I haven't had a chance to. Uh, to catch it, I mean, we were preparing for the show. I see the Cubs are up uh, here. Basically, he might be in the ninth inning by now, five uh, one. Mm-hmm. So it could be evening the series. Um, right. But uh, you know, definitely a lot of energy, a lot of buzz um, going on around this. Yeah, I, I know next week you and I will probably just push and talk with some NBA talk next week, and we'll get more into that. You know, obviously it kicked off last night, and you know we'll get into. Um, for those of you who know, you listen to one mic. Um, and uh, we're brought to you by Carbon World Health, where you can train like a pro. You can get holistic uh, approaches to your health uh, in the med spa that is known as Carbon World Health. Uh, contact them uh, in Madison, Wisconsin, on Whitney Way, and let them know that the Real Sports Guy sent you. Um, let's let's pivot. Uh, and, and, and as I explained at the beginning of the show, you know, uh, one Mike, we're going to be coming back at you. You know, you, we'll drop another one here in another week. Podcast here, so we're gonna get a whole bunch. You'll hear a little bit of Hank and I here go off for a little bit. We're gonna get a rhythm now, um, but I want to close out before I before I get I let you drop the mic to close the show. Hey, 
college football, lots going on. You know, Ohio State just fell to Penn State. I had a chance. I was in the house for Wisconsin, Ohio State. I felt like Wisconsin should have gotten Ohio, the beat Ohio State that night. They didn't finish off, but Penn State got them. Um, and uh, I, I believe if you can stop Samuels, contain Samuels and JT Barrett, you can beat Ohio State. Uh, but I think, you know, they're a great team. I think Urban is well coached. But that did shift uh, the college football world. Uh, we got a, lot, a number of big-time battles happening this weekend. Uh, obviously, we got up in East Lansing, and, um, you know, and, and we got Michigan, uh, I guess Michigan State. There's going to be some payback. Even though Sparty has not been playing well at all this year, you know, rivalry games bring out a different kind of game. You know, you can throw the records out the window. So there's a lot going on. You got Alabama. Everybody's thinking about it. It's everybody else but Alabama, and Alabama's just going to roll over. Um, and so we got Louisville coming through. We got um, Washington is back in the. You know they're back to those old days when they had Warren Moon. They were dominating. They're back on the scene. You're looking at college football. You know who who are the four teams that that you um, are seeing would be there uh, as we're, that that you've been impressed with at this point if you were to kind of begin to build your top four? Who are the ones who impress you? Well, let me see. I don't want, I don't want to sound biased here at all, but uh, I will tell you that uh, I think Alabama might be the number one team in the nation right now. But I think that uh, when you start looking at the, the, what's going on down the rest of the season, I think you can make a case for Clemson being up there in the top four. I think you also got to make a, a, a case for Washington. Because right now they're all in front, you know, in their in their respectful divisions, you know, the ACC and the Pac-12. But I think that the team people need to really pay uh, close attention to. And, you know, I'm not biased on this, but I think Michigan being a very <laughs> team, you know, I think they, I think, uh, you know, they're going to make a push right now. I know they're going against uh, Michigan State this weekend. Uh, I'm sorry, I kind of got distracted there. I got to wipe the tear out of my eye. But I will tell you that, uh, yeah, I think that what you need to look at very carefully is just that that's my top four. I would basically say, yeah, I would say Alabama right now. I will say uh, Clemson number three. I will say Washington number number four. And I will probably say Michigan number two. Oh, my goodness. Uh, you are... You are uh, you are on it today. You are on it today, man. I just when I start thinking about the shift here in the polls, um, in, in, you know, and I said this a long time ago, and people just hated on me. I said, you know, I said, look, the SEC has always been good. I mean, throughout my life, they've always had great teams. The difference has been uh, the level of coaching and execution. They've always had talent. Always had the players. And the consistent theme over the last past 15, 20 years that really been between, I said, three coaches, um, Les Miles, Urban Meyer, and Saban. All three of them have Big Ten ties. Um, and, you know, it's not a mistake that they went. Alabama was struggling before Saban got there. Um, Florida was going through a transition before Urban Meyer got there. Les Miles came in after Saban and kind of kept it going. Um, and now they're struggling. Um, and then I start looking at these rankings, and you start to see it's a matter. I mean, Nebraska is sitting there at number seven at 7-0. and You got Wisconsin at 5-2 and two at, um, at 11. You got Ohio State at six. You got Michigan at two. 
You know, Alabama is just that. Now you got Louisville in here. I mean, it's the parity. You have uh, Baylor and Texas A&M. West Virginia's in there sneaking in. Uh, you're right. And for me, I, the teams that I've watched is look at the eye test. The three teams that I think, uh, well, the four teams. Uh, I saw Ohio State up front. I, I think they can mature and get better. Their offensive line has got the gel. You know, Clemson, Michigan, and Alabama, to me, are clear. And Washington is close. Um, mm-hmm. You know, it's hard to tell. They're going to go through some some tough games here coming up. We'll learn a lot about them um, here coming soon. And then Louisville, Louisville is just in it because they got just the most dynamic player in the country. They um, do. And yeah. you just got to pay attention to him. And so I think in some ways he, he creates an illusion that um, – but I think in, in, a, in a way that kind of masks some of their weaknesses because he is mm-hmm. so dynamic. Um, and right. so, you know, if he has a bad game, they could struggle. But when you look at these other teams, they just have the kind of balance. You know, when they're on, they're going to be on. So I think you hit it, but, we, you know, we're gonna, I want to get into our next podcast. I want to get into this a little deeper. Uh, we're going to spend a little bit more time on college football. Uh, we'll start to have some polls come out. We'll start to get some input from um, the, uh, the selection committee coming up here soon. And I really want to delve into that um, but, uh, you know, I think Michigan, if you watch them, their defense is for real. The offense is gelling. they got a lot of talent. It's all going to come down to the quarterback play for them. You know, can the quarterback be consistent? Um, if he's consistent, they're going to be stuffed. And they're physical. Um, and so it's mm-hmm. interesting to see them against Alabama. Um, Alabama, to me, doesn't – when you watch them, I would say they benefit as much from Lane Kiffin's ability to put a game plan together Right. As people bake out to their play. And I think that I think that where they might trip up here is Lane Kiffin can mask some things that are weaknesses for them. Um the one thing I did think people say you gotta run the football against them. I think one of the things that people miss is that um and that I think against a lot of these great teams is and this is where I think Michigan ha- might have an advantage. Um and even teams like Wisconsin when they're at their best is tight end play. I think in Alabama actually does this well against other teams. But I think mm-hmm. that um, a team with not only other skilled players, but I think with a great tight end can cause problems for Alabama because their their safeties are usually great force runners, force, they're great in the force area. They can get up on the line and um, support on the run, but sometimes they struggle in the coverage area. And if you get, you get and the linebackers are great against the run, but sometimes struggle in the coverage area. So, right. to me, I think having a great tight end, I think someone like Butts could have a really big game against a team like Alabama. Um, I do, too. So, it's less about the receivers. It's about the tight ends. I do, too. So you I'll, just let you, I'll, I'll let you drop the, word, the last word. Go ahead and drop it. Drop the last word while you can go in and make this your last okay. word. You drop I was just getting ready to say you just can't turn the ball over on them either. But, anyway, the last, what I, what I want to say tonight is, listen, this month, the month of October for a sports fan is what I'll call sports nirvana, okay? And this month alone is the only month of the year in which you have all four major sports playing at the same time as well as college football and the beginning of college basketball. This is the one time of the year that if you are a sports fan that there is nothing, nothing that you cannot do, you cannot see. And I will say to all of you right now, take advantage of this part of the fall. This, this, is, this is the part of the year that, you know, there's no excuse at all to be 
depressed about anything. There's always something on. There's always something to see. And if that's not good enough, then you can watch the ultimate fighting championships that's going on in politics between the Republicans and the Republicans. So that's it for tonight. (laughs) And that's it. Drop the mic.